Hello and welcome to the Future History of Newburgh, a series of short stories about a peculiar town on a peculiar planet where science and magic mingle in an effort to save the worlds. And it has been quite some time. Thank you all for your patience. It's been a busy year. I finally finished the Obluvium series I've been writing. All three books are done. It's all out for sale now. Woohoo! Celebration! Um, if you want to check those out, you can um, in the links in the show notes. Or you can just search R. Don Hutchinson at Amazon.com or Amazon.wherever you live, and they will show up. Anyway, I'm excited to be back to Newburgh, and I am sure a lot of you are as well. So let's get into it. In the last episode, the missing children were found as old people in an innocent-looking candy factory. But the candy factory may not be as innocent as it seems. In this episode, we're going to start off by saying goodbye. I hope you enjoy episode one of season three, Nearly Departed. Chief, the Sky Train has stopped. Chief Pearson regarded Sergeant Marcus with suspicion for a moment, letting his statement sink in and wondering if he was pulling his leg. Say that again? he asked. Maybe he had heard him wrong. The Sky Train had never stopped in the history of his time in Newburgh. The Sky Train, come out and see for yourself. It's been there for almost half an hour. People are calling in to report it. Marcus said, with a look on his face that said he understood the chief's apparent doubt and that he couldn't believe it himself. Pearson exited the building at his sergeant's suggestion, and indeed found the tail of the Sky Train hovering over them. It appeared as it typically did when it stopped at Midtown Station, but the train usually only stopped for a few minutes. People on the street had paused to point at it and speculate among themselves. No one had ever heard of the Skytrain stopping once in its nearly 90 years of service. It was a permanent yet flowing fixture of Newburgh, weaving through the city like clockwork. Send out a team to investigate, Marcus, Pearson ordered, and then felt a gentle touch on his arm. A slight man in a draping blue robe stood beside him. Sir, if you have a report to make, you can find an officer inside the building. Right now, I have to inform the parliamentarian that the Sky Train isn't running for some reason, Pearson told the man. Yes, I know, the little man said with a squinty smile. I'm the one who stopped it. You stopped it, Pearson confirmed, his brow wrinkling. The man nodded with a serene smile. Pearson took in the man's appearance. Bald head, smooth, tan skin, age undeterminable, ethnicity also undeterminable. He could have been Latin American, Mongolian, Zanesian. His sky-blue robe was pressed with impeccably sharp pleats and tied at the waist with a matching sash. You're the conductor, Pearson surmised aloud. Pearson believed, like everyone else, that the sky train was automated. The legend of a mysterious conductor was just that, a legend. 
But who else could this man be? I am the conductor. And you are the chief of police, the man remarked. Why did you stop the train? A passenger departed before the train reached its stop. The conductor smiled peacefully as if this information should have made sense. Pearson mulled over the man's riddle. Departed before the train. Oh, departed. You mean a passenger died on the train, Pearson clarified. That is correct. Pearson opened a channel on his comm ring. Marcus, have an ambulance and forensics meet you there. Understood, Marcus replied. The sun was bright and blazing, but it couldn't warm up the frigid wind that blew through the elevated train station. The body was found face up on the floor of the train, Marcus explained. I rolled him over to feel for a pulse, the conductor added. Pearson nodded as Marcus jotted the new information in his notebook. Retinal scan confirms his identity as Darren Gorski. We're searching for his next of kin now. He was found with a donut in each hand, Marcus tisked. It looks like a heart attack. Two white-clad forensic personnel were guiding Darren Gorski's shrouded body out of the train on a hover gurney. Pearson saw that a finger poking out from beneath the privacy covering was smeared with pink icing. Was he alone on the Sky Train? Pearson asked the conductor. We are never alone, for we are all one, the man responded. But there were no other passengers, correct? Pearson clarified, frustration at the man's riddled manner of speaking beginning to bubble. That is correct. Did you see him die? Pearson asked the conductor. I hear the birds. I feel the wind. One does not need to see to know the way forward. That's a no, then. One man's death can change the course of history, but the course will always lead back home. I can see why you don't have any co-workers, sir, Pearson sighed and rolled his eyes, only for them to spot a civilian woman inside the train, where only police officials should be. No one else paid any notice of her as people came and went, packing up medical and investigative equipment from the scene, including two baggies with partially eaten donuts inside. But Pearson saw her and moved closer to inspect her activities. The petite blonde woman was jotting on her digital notepad, glancing up in intervals to take in the conductor, who remained placid on the platform, waiting to return to work. A mysterious wizened man who seemed to be meditating even in the presence of such a dreadful discovery, Pearson read aloud over her shoulder. The woman jumped in surprise. Chief Pearson! How did you get on the train, Miss Levin? A woman is allowed her secrets, Amelia said with a hint of pride. I think even Jackie Thurgood would be impressed with my sneakiness now. I'm not impressed with you potentially contaminating my scene, Pearson chided. But I'm glad the source material for your article won't be based on hearsay. Then, you'll be happy to know, there isn't any hearsay. Not about Mr. Gorski's death, anyway. It's sad that what's more shocking to Newburgh isn't that a body was found, but that the Sky Train isn't running. Amelia stuck her stylus into the loose hair bun on top of her head. 
People are so blasé about it. I guess the town has been through a lot these past few months, with the forest attack and the missing children, but people are turning cold. It's like Newburgh is losing its soul, she frowned, her eyes downcast. Pearson put a hand on her shoulder, less to comfort her and more to nudge her out of the train. He nodded to the conductor, who bowed and retreated to the back of the last train car. The sky train door slid shut, and it whooshed away from the station. That was the conductor, Amelia said excitedly. Yep, he's probably the most interesting part of this whole story. You should focus on him, Pearson said. More interesting than the cause of Darren Gorsky's death? Appears to be just a heart attack, Pearson answered, starting down the stairs. How can you be sure? Amelia shouted after him. The lab will confirm it soon enough. Go home, Miss Levin. We're all done here. He was so happy. He had never been so happy. Happy wasn't even the right word. His whole self was filled with every emotion at once, tinged in bliss and peace. He couldn't tell the difference between the two now. He couldn't even tell where he was. A big room? The space felt immeasurable. But he didn't really care where he was. He was just so happy. He wasn't alone, but he couldn't look at the being next to him. His eyes were still not adjusted to the luminescence that radiated from this person. The being talked to him. Not with words, but with a block of thought. It asked him if he wanted back into his body to fulfill his purpose. Purpose? Body? That's right. He had had a body. In a flash, he and the light being were near his body. A body he didn't want back. He knew if he looked under the cover the paramedics had respectfully covered it with, he would see a pudgy white male in his late fifties with tufts of graying hair on either side of his balding head. So cumbersome. So smelly. So small. He took a deep breath. Or the approximation of a deep breath. There was no air here, and he had no lungs. Still, the action focused him and gradually he pieced together what had led him to this place. It was like remembering a dream upon waking. My name is Darren Gorski. I've just eaten some donuts, he thought, looking at his hands. He had hands in a sense because he thought about them and could now see them. But he could also see through them. In his mind, the donuts had tasted like sand compared to the sweet scent of this in-between place and the near euphoria he was feeling. This feeling was concentrated to his right, where he saw a bright light, a doorway of sorts. He could hear other people through the doorway, laughing and celebrating as if there was a party going on, but he was in a quiet room next to it. He could see the people on the other side of the door. They were people he knew and loved, and he longed to be with them. He knew there were no more tasks there, and nothing to prove to anyone. The being next to him was so full of kindness and didn't judge his reluctance to return to his body. Yet, the being was still presenting him with a choice to fulfill his purpose 
or to go through the door. But what was his purpose? He communicated that question to the being next to him, but the being remained silent. Bright, patient, and silent. There must be something he was missing or forgetting. He reviewed the basics again. His name was Darren Gorski, and he had a sweet tooth. He also had a lovely wife named Annie, and two great kids who were both on their own now. He was a building inspector. He hadn't died on any sort of mission. What had he not completed? Darren looked toward the bright doorway again, and then back to his body, feeling like a file somewhere in the ether that had yet to be downloaded. He noticed the icing on his body's hands and the indentation in his finger where his comm ring used to be. He hadn't been able to wear the ring comfortably lately. Feeding his sweet tooth was making it a little snug. He hadn't been able to wear his wedding ring, either. What about Annie? She was alone there. She was always prodding him to finish the numerous projects he would start and then lose steam on. If he was going to leave her on her own in Newburgh, then he owed it to her to make sure there were no loose ends about his life. He would retrace his steps and make sure there was nothing he had overlooked. With just a thought, he was at Sandy's Donuts. He had stopped there to get his favorite strawberry glazed. Now that he was without a body, the sweet scent of frying dough and sticky icing weren't as alluring anymore. He glanced around, recalling his time there earlier that day. Nothing out of the usual there, except for the man whose order of blueberry donuts had been switched with his. It was nice that he had noticed and handed him his strawberry-flavored just outside the shop. He would have been pretty disappointed had he sat down on the Skytrain for his lunch, only to find he had the wrong order. Did he need to thank the man more? Was that his unfinished business? He felt like he had expressed his appreciation at the time. Darren left Sandy's to retrace another step. As a building inspector, he was tasked with overseeing the gentrification of Newburgh's industrial district. He was responsible for seeing what was structurally sound and what needed to be raised. That morning, he had visited a recently opened business in the district. He inspected the building and thought it looked fairly sound. He gave them a few tips for some potential hazards. There was nothing out of the ordinary there. Or was there? The people there hadn't expected him, and they had acted strange, making him wait in the office. He was there so long, he got bored. A notification activated their computer screen, which opened to display intriguing chemical formulas. When he leaned over to study the complex chemical language, he bumped the interactive screen and accidentally downloaded the file. He always forgot he had been a guinea pig for Newberg's early data gene editing and the slightest touch could start the downloading process. His body gathered so much useless information that he had to continually delete. Darren hastily poked around the screen, putting the computer to sleep again before he was caught snooping. The rest of his time there had passed uneventfully. Was there something he had missed about the safety of the building? At the speed of thought, Darren was in the dingy office area of the old building again. He hovered his non-body over the nearly threadbare orange carpeting. He had legs, but didn't really seem to need them to move. He prepared to move through the door to inspect the warehouse portion of the building, but Catherine entered the room. 
She was the perky blonde office manager he had spoken with that morning. Darren's first instinct was to explain his presence there to Catherine, but she didn't seem to even notice him. Then, an older man walked through the door, and Darren felt a rush of recognition. He was the nice man that gave him his correct donut order at Sandy's. When the door shut, the man said, I took care of the inspector, but there were no files on the comm ring in his pocket. Darren's ghostly hand fiddled with the finger his comm ring should have been on. Why was it in his pocket? I guess he didn't want to get comms from his wife, the man joked darkly. Catherine didn't laugh. I'll find the files, ma'am. See that you do, Al. We can't afford to let that information slip into outsiders' hands before we've completed our plan. Darren seemed to deflate a bit, and he sunk lower in the air. That file he had downloaded was the reason for his death. Whatever plans those files were meant for were no good. He was certain of that. He needed to get those files into the right hands for the good of Newburgh, for the good of his Annie. He hadn't realized the bright being had followed him to the industrial building, but when he looked, the being was there. It seemed to nod, yes, this was what was left unfinished. Well, Annie, this was one project he would actually complete. That concludes Episode 1 of Season 3, Nearly Departed. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to leave a rating or review wherever you listen. And please feel free to show some love through a donation. Or you can also support the podcast by buying one or all of my books. (laughs) Uh, Just go to the links in the show notes below. Um, Other avenues of support are... Um, purchasing some Future History of Newburgh merchandise. Also at the links in the show notes, there are mugs, t-shirts, socks, who knows, maybe even hoodies. So go and check out the merch and see if it's something you'd like. Please remember that a portion of all the donations, book sales, and merchandise purchases goes towards St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. The Future History of Newburgh was written, narrated, and produced by R. Don Hutchinson. To find out more, please go to rdonhutchinson.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and helping the story unfold. Feeding his sugar tooth tooth. You got a sugar tooth.